In the holy name of Jesus, amen. There was a band in the 1990s, now considered classic rock, unfortunately, that wrote a very well-known song. The band was R.E.M. The song was, It's the End of the World as We Know It, and I Feel Fine. I like that song. It's probably stuck in your head now if you know it. Sorry. But it really says a very simple phrase. It's the end of the world, and hey, I feel fine. Today is the third last Sunday of, of the church year. The next three Sundays, we will be looking at the end of the world. We heard about it today with Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. The world is coming to an end, and I would really say good riddance. But so many people today love to capitalize on this idea. It's the end of the world. There's war in Israel, like that hasn't happened before. There's war in Ukraine. The great bear of Russia is taking over. There's political infighting. There's earthquakes, fires, fires in L.A., floods, famines, people foreboding at what's going on in the world. And many in Christianity today will love to tell you, you better get your life in order, you better get it straight. Are you ready to meet God face to face? They might as well try to, st try to stand up in front of you all, which they do, and scare the ever-living pants off of you. Do you long for the day of Jesus' return? Or would you rather he wait? Wait until most of that bucket list is taken care of. Wait until your favorite show that you're streaming is done. It's the end of the world coming to us. Good riddance. What are you afraid of? of losing. Name the one thing today that you cannot live without. How many of you don't have your phone sitting in your pocket right now? How many of you go to your house or to your work and look at some sort of screen day in and day out, hopping on the internet, looking for all sorts of information, watching all sorts of kinds of things? How many of you hold on to your personal identity, who you are, who you are compared to everybody else. Who you are maybe in contrast to what God and His Word has to say. How many of you hold on to your reputation? Am I wearing the right clothes? Do I look right? How many of you are holding on to your feelings, your emotions? I have to feel happier. I have to experience more joy in life. Name that thing which you cannot live without. Luther says that is your true God. That is what you won't let go of. And that's why we fear the end of the world and we even fear our own death.
Jesus talked about it today with the end of the world. Don't sit there on the rooftop and say, I've got to go down and get some things. Don't sit there out in the field and say, I have to go get these things before it all happens. You know the old adage, you can't take it with you. Now, I admit, we're not so prone to taking our phone or our iPad or our computer and setting it up on an altar at home and saying, oh, oh. But we turn the good things of God, mainly ourselves, me, myself, and I, and we make it that which we absorb ourselves about. We make it that which we place our faith and trust in. But in all of that, in all of those things, this is why I love the church here and these assigned readings, in all of this stuff and all of your emphasis on yourself, Jesus pops in and says, time to go. You don't need that. You can't take it with you. The world is coming to an end. You and I, unless Jesus returns right here, right now, you and I all sit under a death sentence. Your life's not going to go on. Next year, your technology is going to be irrelevant. Next year, your show, which you have been streaming and gorging yourself on, is going to be old entertainment. Next year, there'll be a latest, greatest health fad or medication. Next year, there'll be a new lifestyle or a new self-identity that people want to embrace. It can't go on. There's no stability. It's constantly changing. The end of the world is coming, and so many in Christianity today want to point to the Middle East. There's war in Israel. All of the news broadcasters on Fox and CNN and MSNBC are all ramping up these false religious ideas that somehow, someway, because the 1940s state of Israel is being attacked, well, imagine that, that somehow, someway, Jesus is going to return. Do you know how many people have talked about the end of the world with Israel? It's False. It's not a place that we look to to say this is where the end is going to happen. The religion and the teaching of the rapture is not in the Bible. What well, we just sang a few moments ago, with what rapture, with what rapture, with what rapture, doesn't talk about us leaving a pile of clothes here on earth and ascending somehow into heaven. It talks about looking up with great awe and great wonder and great relief that Jesus is returning for you. Perhaps it will be war. Perhaps it'll be a giant tsunami, a meteor, an independent getting elected as president. Perhaps it'll be a whole bunch of atomic bombs. It doesn't matter. 
You can't gauge it. You can't predict it. Next year, there's probably going to be some completely different war. The point is, is that you live in a broken down and dying world. Whether Jesus returns and it's all burning up, or whether he returns as you lie in the grave. Are you ready? Not for his return, but are you ready today to leave those things that you are obsessing about? There is the good news for us today. It's the good news that Israel in Exodus chapter 20 was afraid to believe. Why is Moses taking so long? Let's erect our own little God, the golden calf. And you'll notice that they use all of the words of God to describe the calf. This golden image is what delivered you from Egypt. This golden calf is what's going to give you the promised land. The good news, though, is that the Lord can, and the Lord has, and the Lord does bring things to become clean out of that which is unclean. The good news is that despite your self-absorption and all of my fears and obsessions with all of the stuff in life, Jesus has reached down to you and to me in the garbage can that I love to swim in and he has pulled you out and me out and has cleaned you up, wiped us off and given us himself, his presence, his food, his drink, his house, his name. But that's not all. God brings the clean things out of the unclean. And as Paul writes, since Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep, those who die. What does that mean? Well, maybe today is your last day. Maybe you don't make it through the service. Maybe I don't. Maybe my 30-year-old car catches on fire on the way home. Heaven forbid. Maybe you have a massive heart attack. Maybe that meteor strikes at 2.15 this afternoon. That's where our hope hangs today. All the end of the need for our stuff and us. Why? Jesus Christ died, and Christ is risen. He is risen you still got it. Those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those who are in the grave, they are the ones who are with Jesus now. And if you and I are still remaining alive and breathing and kicking today, you will be with Christ as well, just as you are now. But that's not all. See, most of evangelical Christianity today loves to look at this whole end time stuff. And I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of evangelical Christians today are wiping off the calendar their sermon series, and it's all now about the war in Israel. 
There's big, gigantic preachers in Texas that love to publish all these books, love to scare you, love to sit there and say, it's coming, it's coming, are you prepared? The four horsemen are coming, the rapture's coming, you better get ready, you better get on your knees, you better make yourself right with God, but you don't want to, and neither do I. Are you scared? Probably not. Maybe you don't even believe this. But for us as Lutherans, for us as historic Christians dating all the way back to the early church with what we believe, teach, and practice, it's not about the future. It's about now. Right here. Right now. You want to see the apocalypse, the great revelation of God? Here it is, baby, right here, right now. Last I checked, we believe in the real presence of God, right? The Word of God, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, says Jesus, there I am. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. And in our blessed Lord's word and his holy and precious sacraments, there is God hiding himself to apocalypse himself in your midst. This isn't about the four horsemen coming in the future and the moon being turned to blood and people clamoring and crying all out. The four horsemen have always been with us since Jesus ascended into heaven. War, tyranny, bloodshed, famine, death. They've always been here. They always will be until Jesus returns. But Jesus does not leave you hanging, looking up into the sky in his great golden chair, angry and throwing lightning bolts down at you. He comes not to be served, but to serve you with himself. This is the grand revelation. Here, O oh Lord, we see you face to face. It looks like bread and wine, but by the power and command of God's word, it is for us the body and blood of Christ. The same body and blood that hung on the tree of the cross. The same body and blood that walked out of the empty tomb. The same body and blood that ascended into heaven. The same body and blood here at this altar, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, oh, and the strengthening of your faith. He becomes one with you in body and in spirit at this place. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for you, for the life of the world. And as long as we continue to trudge on in the earth, as long as we continue to struggle with ourselves and our personal desires and our sins, He will keep coming to you, week in and week out. He will keep comforting you that you have been called by name in your baptism, that you now have been changed. You walk in the newness of His life. And guess what else? In that font, you have already died. 
you have already risen with him. What do you got to fear? What do you have to fear? Your greatest problem of death has been taken care of. When somebody sits there and says, are you ready? Are you prepared? Or do you think you've got this all straight? As a Lutheran, you say, yep, I'm ready. I'm good. I'm baptized. It's the end of the world as we know it. Not I feel fine. I am fine. Because Jesus has taken me up into his arms through the washing and regeneration of holy baptism. Jesus is not going to come through Israel. He's not going to set up a kingdom and a throne room in Israel where he sits for a thousand years here on earth. If you think about that teaching for a moment, he already entered into Jerusalem. They wanted him to set up a throne then. Why didn't he do it? Because he came to that which was his own, and his own would not receive him. They would not allow him to set up in his father's house. Rather, they threw him out of the city walls and crucified him in the city garbage dump the great representation of our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us. But we don't look at Jesus as a failure, as if somehow he didn't set up his throne and his kingdom. Oh, yes, he did, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. He set up his throne. It's called the cross. And that's where he now lives and reigns from throughout all of our days in the shadow of death in the veil of tears, as you carry your own crosses. At this place, God's kingdom comes on earth as it does in heaven, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. Here he is in your midst. It looks like it doesn't seem so heavenly. It doesn't sound so heavenly. But the Lord uses the weak things of the world to overcome that which is strong. He uses the foolish things of the world to overcome that which is wise. Why? Not to make you better moral Christians or to make better decisions in life, but to pick you up and clean you and to pick you up and drive you away from yourself. Jesus is coming. So what are you and I supposed to do? Sit in church today and pray? Become monks and nuns and just sit in the church? No. In the face of wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, fires, floods, famines, in the midst of all of our self-absorption, in the midst of putting all of our technology and everything else in front of us all the time, you live in the newness of life. The spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Each and every day we are to stamp down ourselves and our sins. Not to say, hey Jesus, we're here, we're ready. But to take care of one another. To love one another. To love the family members who have disappointed you. 
who have harmed you, to love the coworkers and classmates that annoy you, to try and show mercy to the stranger holding the cardboard sign. Why? Because this is how God in Jesus Christ has first viewed you. And he gives you his love to give that to one another. It doesn't seem fulfilling. It doesn't seem successful. It doesn't seem like you have somehow accomplished things or even become stronger in your faith or even happier. But seriously, you've already died in your baptism. How can that not make you and I happy? You walk in a newness of life. Jesus forgives. He has justified you. He has answered for you. In Christ there is no one left to accuse you and you have nothing to answer for. It may sound too easy, but it's hard work. It's hard work because I want to be God. And so do you. Daily we work out our salvation, not being saved by our works, but stamping down ourselves, our reputations, and our stuff. So much stuff. Yet in all things, he continues to apocalypse himself in your midst. He continues to make that which is unclean, clean. And we know that now is the day of salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. It's the end of the world as we know it. Good riddance. We feel fine in our baptism. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly and bring us to that which you prepared for us. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.